Thanks for coming to hang out with us today. Rug Up Buttercup is a podcast hosted by Deployed Love. We chat about real things that military families deal with and help you to love the call to action. So you know the drill. Rug Up Buttercup. Welcome back to Ruck Up Buttercup. We're excited to have you back and to be joining you today. We have our girl chat and it's just me, Kim and Ashley again. So we are excited to chat with you guys. It is February. It's Valentine's Day when you guys are listening to this. So happy Valentine's Day. If you are with your spouse, I hope you get to go on a lovely date or if they're deployed, I hope that you are having some time with your girls and able to still enjoy the holiday. With that being said, everything deployed love in February is relationships. So we are talking about relationships and specifically military spouse relationships when how that looks, because it is incredibly different from our friends and family in the civilian world and how that, that affects our relationships. So welcome guys. Hey, so we reached out to some of our listeners, um, in our group and ask them what the biggest challenge they kind of see as a military spouse or a military significant other with their relationships. And there was a few different answers, but the main one comes down to feeling resentment over them being gone and feeling like you're kind of a single mom all the time. And I know all three of us can completely relate to that. Kim (laughs) deals with it every day because her husband's at a different base and I have deployments. Kim or Ashley has deployments almost every single year that we, we all deal with it. We have to deal with Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, school, all that life. So yeah, it's a little frustrating when, you know, you hear other spouses too, that are not in the military realm who say like, you know, oh, my husband's going out of town. It's going to be so hard. And you're always kind of like, yeah, but like, it's a one week type of thing. Like, you know, try doing this like once a month. I always look at it as an opportunity because I'm like, Hey, come hang out. Come see what my yeah. life is like. Bring a bottle of wine because we're going to need it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't have a lot of friends that I hang out with in the civilian world. I think once we became military, it's just so much easier to deal with the same problems and be able to vent with your friends that actually understand because although civilian friends are nice because you know, they're always going to be there in your community. They don't, they're not moving constantly. But when a deployment does come up and you're like, dude, I'm not going to hear from him for 48 hours. Like that's different than him being gone for 48 hours. Like I literally have no contact. They don't get that. Like, they're like, oh, it's the same thing as my husband being gone for the weekend. And you're like, no. Well, and like, I was thinking about that last night because when you become a military spouse, when you transition into that, whether you were a military brat or whatever, you have those civilian friends. So like, for instance, like Jeremy and I met here at Bragg and then he joined and that was his first duty station. So I had a bunch of civilian friends and like kind of slowly through the years, like we kind of just kind of drifted apart because it's, it's really hard to connect with spouses gone. Sometimes you don't want to do anything. Like sometimes you get in a rut and you just want to stay home. You don't necessarily want to go out and hang out with people and be surrounded by other people, significant others and things like that. So you tend to kind of shy away from people who don't necessarily know what you're going through. So I was really excited when one of my civilian friends became a military spouse. Cause I was like, oh yes. Like, so now she's going to know why I said no to so many things and why um, now I'm like, oh, we can have this conversation. Like she, she gets it. Like there's been so many times where she goes, oh, I totally get why you didn't want to do this or why you said this or why you're like, no, I can't do that. 
Like I get it now. And it was really interesting to see her switch after so many years of being like, she's a late comer to the, to the military spouse world. And so it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think for me, because moving back home and trying to prepare for, for retirement, I have family and friends that are not military. So it's kind of nice to come back and have both sides. So I get to have all of my military friends and my civilian friends and family here. So for me, it's just finding that, that balancing act because sometimes leaning on my military friends is better. Whereas sometimes leaning on my civilian friends where I can just, you know, be like, here, here's my kids. (laughs) We need time. And it's not complicated sometimes but sometimes it is so it's just kind of finding that balance of what works in that situation in those times yeah for sure and the resentment is something that we all deal with too because though we know it's their job uh when we married them I think all three of us knew they were going to be military we're getting into yeah we knew what we're personally we know what you're getting into I know sometimes the women marry their spouses or whatever after they're already in the army and they're not really they didn't know all of us three kind of went through the whole training, the whole journey of it as from start to finish. And we know like what we were getting into, but it's not that you don't understand that. Cause if I've even had friends who are veterans and are married to a military spouse still, and they realize after they've gotten out, like the struggle of being a military spouse and your career is second, it will always be second. And it can almost be non-existent. Like it, I mean, unless you have something that is super easy to transition and there's a high demand for like it could be really difficult to yeah. continue a career and even though if it's easy to transition it doesn't mean that it's going to be successful you have to start over over and over and over again and I think it's great I think the spouses that do get full-time jobs or they're entrepreneurs and are able to bring their jobs with them it's great to have your own identity um, I think that being just a military spouse is the hardest part. It's feeling like there's nothing to you other than being a military spouse. Yeah. That covenant dependa, like, you know, you don't want to be what the typical military service member labels a military spouse as, but you also like, sometimes like you just have to be a dependent, like sometimes finding work is just not, isn't, you know, I've been to places where I've searched for months trying to find a job. And then I just take what I, I could get, whether that was like working in a daycare or working as an office assistant or becoming a waitress and bartending. Like it's always just whatever I could find after a certain point, because like what I wanted wasn't necessarily available. And, um, we always joked that my resume looks like I Googled a bunch of jobs and just copying and paste. And it really does. Like it legit looks like I Googled a bunch of interesting sounding jobs and copied and pasted them on there. And it really didn't strike me as like such a big deal to have such a wide range of, you know, different types of jobs. Like, you know, they're kind of similar in in the set of like what they were, but when we moved to Texas for recruiting duty, um, I applied to probably 300 jobs, had no luck, no luck whatsoever. And, um, fortunately I grew up military. So my dad had some friends in the area and one of them worked for this large like door and dock company. And so he was just like, Hey, send me your resume. I'll give it to HR. We have a couple openings. We'll get you in somewhere. I was like, great. Cause I just, at this point I needed a job. 
And they literally told me, like, we would have never looked at your resume. Like, we looked at your resume and would have thrown it away if it hadn't been for so-and-so saying, like, you need to hire her. And that same job I lost, like, was fired from because of my husband being in the military and not being able to take off when our kids were sick or having to take the kids to the, all the doctor's appointments and all of their sporting or all their events and things. Devon had a lot of ear infections when he was little. So I had to consistently stay home with him because he had fever. And of course, can't be at daycare with a fever. And um, they couldn't understand why my husband couldn't take off and watch the kid. And it was one of those things when I was in the interview, I was like, you have to understand that. Like I'm a military spouse. Like I, I'm the only one that can take off when my kid is sick. I'm the only one that can um, do this X, Y, and Z. Like my husband can't do that. He's in the military. And I unfortunately lost my job because of it. And that was like so hurtful because like and, those who yeah. know me know that I like, I put everything into what I'm working on, whether like I enjoy it or not. And I was so hurt that I lost a job that I was really good at. Like, you know, I helped get mm-hmm. really great contracts, but then they're just like, yeah, like it's not working for us. Like you miss too much. And no matter how many times I was like, oh, I can work from home and things like that. They're just like, no. And so it's just like, I lost a job. Yeah. <laughs> and husband. sadly spouses, even no, spouses I- who go in like, do these like five-year degrees, six-year degrees and have careers. If they so much as mentioned, like they can't live on base because they'll know immediately know that you're a spouse or they mention that their husband's military. I think that they lose that opportunity at a lot of places because they're like, I don't want to hire someone who's temporary. And unfortunately as a military spouse, we're three years temporary. Like yeah. the majority of we're three years, like the far, far fewer people stay in a spot for longer than three years. And so for like spouses who are younger, like you tell them, like, you know, don't mention your military spouse, but it's a lot harder for a seasoned spouse. You know, someone whose spouse has been in the military for 10, 15 years, because it shows they're going to, they're going to, you're questioning your like, well, you were only at, you've only been at jobs for like, cause normally it's about two years. Like you, you know, six months that you're looking for a job and then you the last six months you're preparing to PCS. So, um, you know, you're, your work history is two years, two and a half years. And that's just like a red flag for employee employers. Mm-hmm. And it comes with like the military spouse. Um, like I was talking about the one that I can think of. She, uh, she was active duty for over 10 years and married another military member. Um, and so she decided to get out because they were having children, you know, growing their family. And it was what was easiest for her to be the one that got out. But she's realizing to try to find any sort of job, because even if she goes in the civilian sector for what she did in the military, it's going to be at different bases than where he's going to get stationed because his MOS is different. And so it's like, do they make a change where they're not together for a certain amount of time so she can get a job or do they, she just follow along and not have the chance to, you know, go back to what she loved doing just because she took the opportunity to become the spouse and not the the military member anymore. And I know that like, that's a hard thing to have to make a decision. We all love our spouses and we, we want to be near them. We want to be able to live next to them, but sometimes school, sometimes being closer to family, sometimes like that, it comes down to being more important than having to move every three years. So, and I don't think that's talked a lot about in the military community too, about how many families live separately, like how many make that choice saying we, we get that we're in the military, but like, 
you know, moving every two and a half, three years isn't really feasible for us. Like, you know, we have this job. So we're going to say here, like my in-laws, my in-laws did that. Like my, they just bought a new house and then my father-in-law came down on orders. And then my mother-in-law and my husband and his sister stayed here at Bragg and his dad went to the next duty station. And that's just the choice that they made to keep, you know, just bought a house. Like it's really, you know, you can't just buy a house and then move. Like it's not just something you can do unless you plan to rent it out. But, you know, we're, we're looking at that too, towards the end of the career, like living separately. Like, you know, we have, you know, depending on where Jeremy is going to, like, we may have to just live separately for a couple of years. And I don't want to do that, but like, that might be the only thing that we can do in order to kind of continue on with what we're going to do after we get out of the, out of the military. And Kim, that's kind of where you are. You guys are close to the end of your, your time in the military and have high schoolers. Like you're getting to the point where it's, it's way too hard for the entire family to just pick up and move every couple of years. Yeah. For us, it comes down to stability. Um, you know, and when we do PSCS, we seem to have the rotation of, Oh, you're going straight on deployment. So we go to a new base and then he's gone. So we moved back home to give our children a little stability and my son will start high school next year and hopefully be able to finish high school here and graduate without going to an 11th school in his life. I would say that is such an amazing thing that you're doing. The sacrifice that you and your husband are doing for that, for your kid, because I I went to a different high school every year as a military brat, like a different high school in a different state, different country. And that was really tough for me, like to have to move every single year. So having families who can do that is. I'm not going to lie. It's for the birds. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's not easy. Not having him here during the week and then him getting off and going back to, he lives in a camper at the KOA. So for him to just get off work and then just be sitting at the camper oh, yeah. for hours and hours. Just to get to do whatever he wants to do when you're at yeah. home. Yeah. And that, that's where that resentment comes. Yeah, so a lot of that, this topic really hits home with me because every weekend I'm like, he'll come in and he'll be like, the kids are just being too loud. You know, y'all go outside and play. I'm like, you're dealing with this for 48 hours. Come on, guy. I have to deal with it all week by myself. So I can, I definitely see the resentment growing with this issue. However, I have another friend, they've been stationed at Campbell pretty much his entire, like for years and years. And he's close to retirement and he just got Fort Bragg. And so she didn't understand the situation that me and my husband chose. She didn't agree with us living separately. And now that they've come up on the same situation, Mm -hmm. she's had to look at it. Like, do I take my daughter out of high school? Do we move? Do we stay separate? And they're actually choosing the other option. They're all moving to brag together as a family, but then they're losing some of the high school stuff that they paid extra for their daughter to get that won't count when they go to brag. So, you know, you have to do what works for your family. And with that, just because I've got a lot of judgment, don't judge people for what they choose because what they choose is what works for their family. And either way, the situation is hard. 
Yeah. And we talked about it, the making that decision because of a career. It's not fair that just because they're a woman or whatever, that they should have to give up their career. If they found a job that they're absolutely solid in and they love their job, I, it comes down to, they have two incomes, they can afford two houses. So why not be able to do it? And they'll, they're still going to have a relationship. You can still have a solid relationship with your spouse. You just have to work harder. You have to communicate better. You have to be able to keep the communication open and it's just the same as deployments. You know, we, we, they go for sometimes now up to 18 months. Like, so it's the same situation where you're, they're busy. We get that. They're still working. You're not on vacation, but you're stuck here doing everything and everything can be a lot, especially as your kids start to get older. I know my kids are involved in so much stuff. And like, just right now with girl scout season alone, I'm spending almost every day driving around delivering cookies and I don't have any time for myself. We get home, I cook dinner, they get ready for bed. And then I'm laying there on the couch. Like I should work. I should probably go do some work, but I am so exhausted from the day. I just can't do it. So I get, yeah. even now I get resentment when he's home because as a spouse, I end up being the one that has to take on all the chores. Cause you still do everything. Like you still continue to do all the things that you do when he's gone when he's home. And then, so it makes you feel even worse. Cause you're like, you're home. Like you can take some of this like slack from me. Like you can do, you know, like you see the dishes are piling up. Like, can't you do the dishes? Like, you know, that like I'm in the back room yelling that the house is messy. Like telling kids to pick up their toys schedule. and they're just like, you know, on their phone or, you know, playing with their guns or playing with whatever they're doing. Like it totally, the resentment for military spouse is a hundred percent there. Like if you don't feel resentment towards your spouse at some point because they're gone all the time or, you know, they don't do something, then like, are you really a military spouse? But like, you have to be able to balance it. Like, you know, yeah, we feel this way, but how do you keep that relationship nice and fresh? Like, how do you keep that resentment from not boiling over and just causing problems within your relationship? I will say for us, when Travis went to Honduras for a year, I, that was our first time doing a hardship tour. He went over there. He had a maid. He had his own like two bedroom. I would have been so angry. (laughs) I mean, they had like a pool there. They had their own like bar area on post. They had all these amazing MWR trips where they could go off and visit Roatan, I think, was one of the most popular places. It was just insane. And the resentment then was really, oh, absolutely. really like bad. a vacation for sure. Yeah. And he was like, oh, my maid, she vacuumed the floor and did my laundry this morning, but she didn't put my cups up the way I like it. And I was like, I don't want to hear about it. Are you serious? <laughs> like, God, are you serious? Like, my uh, maid, my, my four children maids didn't do it either. How does that make you feel? <laughs> Well, we only had two at the time, but the way I kind of got over that resentment or made it a little better or tried to take the bright side is I actually went and visited him for two weeks. I did not take the children, obviously, but um, having that opportunity just to go over and see where he was and what he was doing and take some of those MWR trips. We took multiple MWR trips, which was amazing, but it kind of helped know that I got to experience that with him. And it wasn't just a constant him experiencing everything. Um, I know on mother's day, he 
when he was over there, went and stayed in like a tree house and did like a natural spring bath and <laughs> himself what, as a mother. <laughs> do not call me on Mother's Day and tell me about this trip. I, I, oh, I would have hung up. <laughs> I, I can't, I cannot deal with this right now, but um, you just got to try to find the the bright side, I guess. Cause it's really, it's really funny hard. for me. I feel like my resentment is worse when he is here. So like when he's on night shift and he's here and he's not doing things. And to me, I don't, I don't see it as night shift, I guess. And the thing is when he is on night shift, it's hard for him to do anything. And I, after night shift gets passed, like we're back in day shift now, I, I look back and I'm like, man, I was kind of mean about some of these things, but you're here. Like, I feel like it. Sh- you should be doing so much more, even though you can't because he's tired all day long when he switches back and forth. But then when he's deployed, I'm a little less resentment because I'm like, Oh, well, I know I have to take care of everything. Like I it's on my mind. I'm not gonna be like, Oh, well he should have done the dishes or he should have ran that errand because I'm like, well, he's not here. So I have to, yeah. so I don't get as re- mad about things about like that. So him going away is kind of a break for my mind where I'm like, yeah, I know I'm going to have to just I'm the same way. Yeah. I feel more resentment when he's home than when he's gone. Cause I guess when he's gone, like, I know that he's like not a hundred, like, yeah, he may not be having to do like all in his downtime. Like it's just him. Like he can do whatever he wants, whether it's read books or watch movies or whatever he wants to do with no interruptions. But I know that he's like working, but when he's home, like, you know, on every, you know, when he goes out hunting or when he goes to the range or when he just does what he wants to do. And I'm just kind of like, cool. Like, when do I get to do what I want to do? Like with no responsibilities at all. Like when's, when's my turn? Like never. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, I had to tell myself like, you know, like I get it. Like I'm the, like I'm the mom, like I'm, I'm, I'm the primary caregiver for my children. So no matter what we do, like, even if a dad's home, they're always going to come running to me, no matter what. Like, even if I say dad's right there, they're going to be like, yeah, but I want you to do it because I'm the one that always does it. Used so to I always routine. have to remind myself that, you know, Hey, like, yeah, they're super clean right now, but you know, this isn't going to last forever. And I'm really bad about asking for things. So like Jeremy just says, like, if you need to go do something, just ask. And I'm like, but I don't want to have to ask. Right. I get that. I want to be able like, to say, you I want you to see that see I'm what super I mean. flustered and you see mm-hmm. that I'm overwhelmed. Like be like, Hey, I got this. Like go do your thing. And I have to remind myself, like, that's just not how my husband is. Like my husband's just like, just tell me and you can go do it. Like if you want to, if you need a break to go take a walk, like just tell me and I'll go do it. But I'm also the mindset of like, well, can't you just say, Hey, I, I see you. Like I see you doing all of these things. I see you working and I see you taking care of our children and I see you cooking and cleaning and, and being the primary caregiver, the primary disciplinary, everything. Like I see all the hats you wear and I appreciate you. And sometimes I feel like maybe that's where a lot of our resentment comes from because our service members don't always say that. Like they know that, but they don't always necessarily, necessarily say those words to us. Thing our listeners were talking about in that conversation was like communication and having conversations, you, you may have to just have that conversation. They're used to being in a leadership mentality, you know, like being told what they need to do as a military member, you, you follow the rules, right? Like you listen to exactly what your command tells you to do. It has been ingrained in them. A lot of them since they were 18, they didn't learn any other way. That's just how they, as an adult have always been treated. So they expect us to tell them what chores need done and what 
things that need to get done around the house. They don't look for the things to do. They just are waiting to be told. But I think that's where you have to have time where you can sit down, whether it's on a date night or just at night after the kids went to bed and be like, this isn't working. Like the way things are going right now, you're busy. I get that, but I need help. Um, have, being able to sit down and know that you can have those conversations. They love you. Like, think about it. They love you as much as you love them. That's why we all stick around. That's why we all go through the hardships. Why we put up all with all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're going to listen, right? One of the biggest tips that I can give you after multiple, multiple deployments and hardship doors is you got to remember too, when they go away, they don't have to do that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then when they come home, they don't know where to hop in sometimes. So if you don't give them a list of things that you want them to do or where you want them to hop in, they're not going to just take over what you've been doing for a year. So when they come home, you need to start gently easing them back into that process. Because if you're going to continue to do everything for them, when they come home, they're going to continue (laughs) to do everything. Mm -hmm. So when they come home, you need to be like, okay, I want you to do bath time, but the kicker here is you cannot go over top of them and tell them how to do bath time. You need to let them do it and then let them start taking on more and more, because if we don't tell them what we need, they can't read our minds. We have to have that open communication. No matter how much we wish for them to do it. Yeah. My husband and I have been married for 18 years and him living in Savannah and coming home on the weekends has been a pain. But when he comes in, I immediately, this is what we have going on this weekend. Well, this is what I want to do. Okay. Well, how do we find that balance? Because we only have 48 hours and we can't get everything done. So it's just keeping that communication and letting each other know what your expectations are. And finding communication that works for you. Like for us, it wasn't like a to-do list so much, but we managed to sync our calendars on our phone, which seems so professional and weird, but (laughs) it was so nice because he wakes up at the beginning of the week or his weekend and he knows, Hey, we have Girl Scouts tomorrow. I'm paying attention. I'm aware that if you're busy, I can take her or, you know, he sees what's coming up on the calendar. So he doesn't just like, what are we doing the next three days that I'm off? Like, what are we doing? And asking to ask you, he can just look at the calendar and be like, okay, I can see that tomorrow's going to be super busy. And I'm not going to ask to go to the range. I'm not going to ask to go do something else because I can see that we're going to need to do something. So I I like that idea. Yeah, I do too. One of the other things too, that we don't really think about as spouses, because Sometimes I know personally, I get caught up in my own resentment so much Mm -hmm. that I'm like, he has such a great life, but my husband and I come to the realization that he wishes that he could be home with the kids doing stuff. And so he kind of resents me too. And I don't think about that. So when he's like, well, you get to do this and you get to go here and you know, so it's hard. You got to remember too, that there's things that they want to do that we may not understand in the flip. The amount of things that they miss, the milestones, things like that. Like they do miss a lot. So it's, it's also easy for them to just kind of like fall back into their little pocket of like, Oh, she's got everything handled and I'm just gonna let her do her thing. And, you know, 
maybe step in if I need to, but like, it's probably just as hard for them to come back and get into the routine of things as it is for us to have them come back and get into the routine of things as well. And I think what we've established is communication is key. And I think that's the key to relationships in general, whether it's your relationship with your spouse, with fellow military spouses, your children, and the the community around you. Like you have to communicate like how you're feeling, how things are like, how things are going at home with you, with you, if it's just you or with you and your kids and getting your spouse to open up too. a lot of times spouses aren't going to open up about how they're feeling um because a they don't want to make you mad um or cause just like yeah sabrina said too you have to find what that communication key works for your spouse for you and yourself yeah yeah and that may be like sitting down and reading the seven love languages and like learning what what works for them in that sense there's also i was reading a lot of uh different things this month about like attachment style so a lot of people depending on how their past relationships are don't get as attached in even ones that they've been in for 15, 16 years because Mm -hmm. they've lost that trust and that faith in another relationship. So maybe you need to sit down and think about that too, because they may not, they may come off like not as attached and not like being there and supportive, but that just might be the way that they cope with things. So you really have to learn your spouse. And that may be that you think that, you know, them. we've all been married for a decade, over a decade, Mm -hmm. all three of us. And it's like, do we know them though? Do we know exactly what makes them tick and how to communicate with them the best way? We went to a marriage retreat um, a couple of years back and the seven love languages never really worked for us. We didn't really like that too much, but there was this one video um, of this guy talking and he had two different pictures, a woman and then a, a male And in the female's brain was like a bowl of spaghetti. And in the male's brain was like boxes. And so he was talking about, you know, with a female brain, your, your brain, you just connect everything. So you could be like, oh, dinner. Yeah. Let's have spaghetti. By the way, I want to go to Italy. By the way, last time I seen the Eiffel Tower, this, this, and this. And they're just just sitting there like, what is happening? (laughs) And that's what I always tell people. I go down the rabbit hole because it, it is, it's a constant connection of different little things that trigger. However, with the male, they take one box out and it is just that one box. No, they're like, I'm and hungry. And then they take out another box. They cannot <laughs> yeah. have multiple boxes. They can't have <laughs> multiple boxes open. Um, that actually makes a lot of sense because- I know, like, like Sabrina just said, like, we've all been married over a decade and there's still things that I really struggle with my spouse. Like neither of us really like confrontation. So like we tend to hold things back until like it's a big fight or we're having an opportunity to sit down and and discuss stuff. But, um, he's so quiet. So like a lot of times I'm just like, like, seriously, like I just did something that made you mad. Like, can you just say that made you mad? And just now we move on other than just sitting there and stewing. But over the years, I realized that I do the same thing. And I don't know if it's a learned behavior, but like you have to kind of really figure out what How makes your spouse happy. Yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, like, even though like, I don't really like the love languages either. I can definitely see where those would fit in with my relationship with my spouse. Like I know like certain things that I do like tend to make 
like show his appreciation more. Um, and same thing, like, you know, if he came home and washed the dishes, I'd be like, who are you? And oh my God, you know, See, for me, if he came home and washed the dishes, I'm like, you never put them where I want them. Please don't touch my dishes. And I don't think I'm like, but I think that's also because like, we are so set in our ways. So like, it, it's so easy for them to be like, well, she's so particular in how she does it. Like, that's his thing. Like you could help, like, I'm always like, you can help with laundry. He goes, you're so particular. I was like, I really am not like, if you put it on, you're like, I'm not going to be upset. Like you just helping would be great. But that's always been his excuse. Like, you know, you hang certain things up and you fold certain things. And he's like, that's just too many details. Like I just do one thing. And I'm like, I get it. That's fine. Like I'll do laundry. So now it just comes to do where I do all the laundry, including the kids, even though the kids aren't any different. So, um, it's, I think it's just, I think it's a learned behavior. You have to be an open conversation. You have to have open communication with your spouse at the beginning of how you guys want to balance your relationship, relationship out your household out, like, you know, who's responsible for what, like whether you're home or not. So like, obviously like Jeremy does outside, like I don't touch outside unless he's gone. And then I loathe it because I have to go out and do something that's not my duty. But I know that as soon as he comes home, that's his, like, I don't even have to say anything. Like he knows that outside work is all him. And you might have to kind of communicate that with like insight. Like, you know, you always do the dishes after dinner, you know, obviously you have to take care of that when he's gone. But as soon as he comes home, like he goes right back into that and kind of helps keep that routine in place when you don't feel like helping him not feel like he's been left out. Like he can just come home and kind of fit right back in, obviously, depending on how time, how long he's gone, like, you know, bath time may look different for kids, you know you know, you left, you had to help your kid take a bath. When you come home, they do it on their own. Um, so some things are always going to be changing, but you have to be in that rotation of, okay, well, here's where we're at. Like Kim was saying and, um, jump in. Yeah. And I want to like, take it to the new spouses. You hear all of us talking about this and you can tell after 10, 15 years that it's still a challenge, but as a new spouse, you really don't know how to communicate with your spouse. It's something new that you guys are trying to get through. And Kim mentioned going to those retreats, um, retreats or even marriage counseling, marriage counseling gets such a bad, like Mm -hmm. taste in people's mouths. But the reality is it's maintenance. It's like getting your car oil changed. You should be able to learn if you don't know how to communicate together have someone come in and teach you how to communicate so that you don't hit roadblocks and you don't get stuck later in life, not knowing how to communicate. And you're just too far into a relationship to change things. Um, so as a new spouse, take advantage of those retreats because those retreats are free. They're, they're super fun. We've been on more they're than one. They're really great. They usually yeah. take them to great places. Like we've been to Myrtle. Um, I've actually gone to, uh, the retreats that I've gone to have always been, um, like when my husband was deployed. So it was all just spouses going, but I want to mention, cause there's, there's the retreats, but like now in our today age, like when we were all younger, there really wasn't a lot of online presence. Like there wasn't a lot of books written about it. There wasn't a lot of like videos or articles or blogs. Like, even if you don't want to go see someone in person, cause like, I know my husband, like my husband doesn't necessarily want to go sit down with a chaplain or, or a therapist, but say, Hey, like, let's read this book together. Let's this this watch this. Let's listen to this podcast. Let's listen. Let's read this blog. And then let's discuss it. Like let's plan a date night and discuss it. And 
it could, that could be the way that it works for you. Getting my husband to go to a, a marriage retreat, like, unless it was someplace he really, really wanted to go to and didn't have to pay for it. Like he probably is going to be like, no. My husband loved him. We my, went yeah. to several. Yeah. I, I really so wish he would be I interested mean, in doing they, it. But they even give you childcare at night yeah. so that you can go on a date night. Breakfast, I mean, so you, like you everything's just take advantage of that for the date night. Yeah. Um, I, I think the last couple ones I've seen here like, in Bragg have been at like Great Wolf Lodge. Like they go to awesome. really cool places. So you just have to utilize them, and you have to utilize that time with your spouse the best way Sabrina touching on marriage counseling that's not something my husband would do and I think it's something that people always are ashamed of and we need to change that we really do so for the new spouses coming up that is one thing that I would say don't let people try to judge you or don't be ashamed of that because it's not anything to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. It's maintenance. You take care of yourself. You get your hair done. You get your nails done. You get pedicures. You get massages. You take care of your car. You go get an oil change. You take it to the car wash. You need to do the same to your marriage. Yeah. You do the same with your children. You take care of your children. If they're having problems at school, you meet with the teachers mm-hmm. and Find out what the communication issue is here and come up with a game plan. So you need to approach your marriage the same way. You could 100% start therapy with a marriage counselor without that your spouse coming. Mm -hmm. And once they see, you know, that you're putting effort into changing the way that you're communicating and that you would like for them to come, then then we're going to be more open to that. When they see that it's not like someone telling you what to do, it's you learning how to do it. It's you learning tricks and tools that are going to be making things easier for your life. When my husband was doing constant back-to-back rotations and I was home by myself and new kids and being a new mom. And then he has children from previous marriage and just all of it's a lot. the world caving in. It seemed like I did. I went to counseling And even though he did not like that, or he would not go with me when I wanted to, I still learned a lot of things from her to take back home in our marriage or a lot of things about myself that I'm like, okay, well, this is kind of a negative. How can I change this at home? Mm -hmm. And that made it better. Or, you know, this is a trick or not a trick, but, you know, a way to get him to open up and communicate to me better. Um, One of the things that Ashley, you were talking about is your husband goes outside and does the yard work. Mm -hmm. My husband is, if I go out there and help him do the yard work, he is like, I love you. Do you want to grill steak tonight? And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) what, what did I do? He's like, you packed up all of the leaves. What are you talking about? Like, I think that's the awesome. same thing on the inside. Like, you know, when your spouse comes in and does something that may not necessarily be on his list, you're always like, Oh, like, yeah. Hey, like you keep doing that. And like, there'll be some type of reward, whether that's like, you know, fun night out or like, obviously like happy wife, happy life kind of yeah. deal. Like, you know, so I'm always in a better mood, but <laughs> Yeah. Finding, you know, those tricks from, not tricks. I keep saying tricks. Tools. Like I'm gonna trick them. Yeah. Um, those tools that, you know, you find helpful to build that marriage is what's important, no matter where you get it from. That may be your girlfriend. That may be 
a guidance counselor, that may be a therapist. It's whatever you can seek and find resources in. Yeah. And like marriage is work. Like it's not just something that comes naturally. And it's something that like, you're going to go through like waves. Like you're going to have times where it's amazing. Everyone works together. Everyone is cohesive and everything's great. And then you're going to get times where you're just like, what am I thinking? Like, why am I here? Why am I this military spouse that's moving every three years? And why am I doing this? I could have, you know, I could have a career and I can do this and all this other things. And then you come back together and just be like, Hey, like, we've got this, like we love each other. And that's, what's important. Home is wherever you are. And it's not, it's not forever. Like I I try to tell people that like, like in my mind, like I'm always like, this isn't forever. Like we're not in this up and down, like, where are we going to be next? You know, I don't have a career, you know, what is my worth? Like, what's my worth? Like, that's always been my biggest struggle. Like, what's my worth? Like, you know, I work, but I don't make nearly like my, my paycheck's not the primary, like, it's just there. Like it's extra money. My volunteer work, how, how do I view that? And how he views it is completely different. And knowing that like, you have to find what works for you. Like finding deployed love filled me up to where like, I have worth now. Like I know what I meant to do. I know what I'm working towards. And I know that, no matter where I go, I made a difference in some part for even whether it's only for six months or a year, a couple of years. Like I know I did something. You have to find that for yourself. So if you're a stay at home mom, because you can't find a career, you guys can't afford daycare because girls, we've all been there. Like every single one of us has been there. Well, you find pay something. For- you work to pay for childcare you, or you work to pay pointless. for childcare, yeah. which is, which is mind blowing to some. And it's totally makes sense why so many military spouses just stay oh. home. Even if you don't have kids, like sometimes, sometimes it makes more sense for you to stay home, have one car, not two car payments, not two cars on insurance, not paying for gas, things like that. It makes more sense for your family at that time to just be a stay at home spouse and, you know, it sucks because, you know, those spouses feel like they're being like labeled as a dependent and things like that. But, you know, your spouse would not be where they are without you a hundred percent, like without your support, without you at home, your spouse would not be where they are in their journey. And sometimes they might not express that, but there's no way that they could leave in two hour notice. If they knowing you were going to hold it down, you were able to do what you do. Like we're a completely different breed. Like I'm saying it, military spouses are some of the most resilient, profound people that I've ever met in my entire life. And I've lived all around the world. I've met people in all aspects of life and the amount of strength that a military spouse has is mind blowing. Like to go Hey babe, I just got the call and I'm leaving in two hours to be like, I got you, babe. We got this. You Absolutely. go do it. I think that's the best. That's the best indication of that is any of us could do that. We know we could, because we know how to hold down the fort. We know how to be the spouse that's left behind. And like you were saying, they would not feel as safe moving on if they didn't think that. And they they know you're a badass. They know we're all, we have it. That's we what I thought it. she was going to say. We are like, badasses. Like, like, we are straight up badasses. <laughs> and if anyone ever wants to come at a military spouse saying, no, you're not like, come fight me. Like, 
I will lay down everything that a military spouse can do. And you tell me another soul on this, on this earth that can do everything that a military spouse does. Taking care of home fronts, making sure that you're keeping your, your spouse's spirits up. When your spouse is in, in a setting where there's bullets flying at him and there's, you know, trauma and there's so many other things that you, you're there for them. You're, you're that, you're that anchor to their normalcy. So like being able to do that as well as keep your own emotions in check. is so crazy. Now, obviously like there's the people who don't do that, but you know, majority of military spouses, that's who they are at their core is they're the anchor to the family. They're the rock and y'all are all badasses and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. So I seen this thing the other day where it was like military spouses, want, you know, they'll bicker or whatever and, you know, argue or whatnot, but let one of them go through some kind of hardship tour or their husband leave or something happened during deployment or their kid gets hurt and see the rally behind everybody come together. Amazing. Yeah. The article kind of brought some light to that for me because I'm like, you're right. Like sometimes military spouses don't always get along because we're from so many different places. We all have so many different different personalities. We all go through the same stuff, like the resentment right now. We all, that was one of the things that triggered a lot of us. So when something happens and we need each other, we are all there together. Usually we're bringing the, we're bringing spouses together with deployed love because I I've as this, as this year started, I guess. And I've been talking to kind of more sponsors and donors to like help deployed love grow. I've been kind of mentioning, you know, if you have a happy spouse, you have a happy family, which makes a happy soldier, a happy military member, which makes our military stronger because that's why we need support groups for military spouses like Deployed Love does, where you're bringing together these spouses feel like they're supported during that deployment. Instead of feeling resentment, they're feeling like, hey, I do have this because even if I can't do it, I have XYZ friend who maybe knows how to mow a lawn, who can come over and watch my kids. And then when those conversations come up during deployments, you're like, oh yeah, I'm fine back here. And then that brings so much of that resentment away from the military member or pushing that onto your spouse because or the worry that they may have. Yeah. yeah. You just feel supported on all ends too. So that's kind of why I love deployed love and what we were doing. I and mean- I just seen that firsthanded here, Sabrina at Benning, one of our girls, I met her on the deployed love Academy. She randomly came to one of the events. And I realized she was here locally and she started coming to our in-person events and loved it. She started you know, helping us plan events and just full in deployed love. Well, her husband come home and she had planned an event and you know what? We still rolled with it, even though her husband was home. And when we got there, he was like, we were all apologizing that we were in his house when he come home, you know, and that we appreciated them opening their house and letting us come in. And he was like, you were there for my spouse Absolutely. all of the appointment you got her through this and you, you are as always you welcome <laughs> yeah and he watched all of our kids while we did our craft Aww. night it was <laughs> it was really amazing so it just what we're doing is deployed love is working we're just trying to make people more aware that we're here is what we need to do 
Yeah. And well, and it's not just during deployments. I mean, I mean, Jeremy literally told me Thursday, Hey, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to be gone the next two weeks. And I'm like looking at the calendar and I'm like, this is not on the calendar, sir. Like nowhere does it say you're going to be gone for two weeks. And he's like, yeah, unfortunately, like I got pulled into a different brigade to help them with some training. And so I'm going to be gone. I'm like, okay, cool. We got this. Like, I'm going to have to change a couple of things around. And, you know, I kind of felt like I was going to have you here and there, but like, we got this. And, you know, knowing that he's also has, you know, school training, like he's consistently gone, like, especially depending on MOS, like some MOSs are gone a lot more than other ones. And so you build, build that tribe, come to a deployed love event, whether you're deployed, have a deployment coming up, or you're just like, Hey, I need to make that military connection with military spouses that are like-minded and come hang out with us. Cause yeah, I, we can also, we've made some of our best friends through deployed love yes. and the connection. And I'll, I'll briefly tell the story of what I did this last month, but it was, you know, my friend, she needed to go up and see her grandma before she passed. And she knew this was coming. And Due to the military, her husband couldn't just take leave. He can't just leave. That's not how that works. And we all know that. And so she didn't want to make this nine hour drive with her kids alone. And luckily my husband works weird schedules. So he was off for the rest of the week. And so we just jumped in the car and we're, it was just amazing to be able to be there and support her during a time that she didn't have her spouse there to do that. So if it hadn't been for deployed love, I'd never met her. And we'd never been able to have that connection where she felt like it was okay to leave her kids with me and her in-laws and go spend time with her grandparents. And, you know, I was the built-in extra husband, you know, whatever it ends up having to be. And I think a lot of us have been that extra husband for things, bringing Valentine's cards to our friends because they're going to be alone on Valentine's day, or we just kind of fill in that spot during deployments or just general life. Yeah. I mean, the same thing, like I, you know, Jeremy's been gone for my birthday, what the last four years. And we, you know, went, went out, out to dinner, dinner. like a couple of us from deployed left that's met, like we went out to dinner and, you know, even though it wasn't like what I would necessarily would want for my, you know, birthday, like it was still so much fun to be able to go out and have people celebrate something with me, even though my husband couldn't necessarily be there with me. So I'll say right, right now, um, for me with Tessa leaving, she's my best friend. Like when we first met deployed love, we met through another organization and we didn't care for each other. Like our personalities did not click. And then she applied for the position and we were trying to throw them together. Um, but now she's my best friend. And as military spouses, a little bit of that resentment again, is saying goodbye to our best friends over and over. And so as I'm gearing up to say goodbye to her, if it wasn't for deployed love, I wouldn't feel still supported right now because I feel like even though my best friend's leaving, I still have friends here that I can lean on that I've met through the coffee socials and the ladies nights. Um, And I'm, you know, excited for the new coordinator to come on because that's going to be a new friendship. But I'm okay saying goodbye to Tessa. Whereas when I left Campbell, I was crushed saying goodbye to my best friend. When I left Benning, I was crushed saying goodbye to my best friend. So I think just being able to have more than one friend here has really finding my tribe, I guess, is what I can say has been better than just leaning on one person the whole time. And I think that's what we're all about. Like, I think 
when we, when we say come out, like we're not just here because like we're an organization, like we genuinely want to be here for other military spouses. Like that's what fills all of our buckets. And so coming out and just like, we're genuinely wanting to get to know you. Like the conversations that we have at these events aren't just like, Oh, like you like that? Like, Oh, tell me what, more. What like, rank is your husband? No, oh, yeah. no, I don't know any of the ranks. Like, I think the only question we ever ask is like, what no. unit? Just so we can like, oh yeah, like we know that unit or like, oh yeah, like that. I we think don't. that's usually, but, um, and I think that's, really do that. Well, I think we do that here at Bragg just because For we deployments. go so many rapidly deployments yeah. here that we're kind of like, here we're kind of gauging like what type of support that we can provide them. Like, oh, you just were activated. Like we need to make sure that we're like, you're you're in our like radar of like giving right. that support whether or not um as an organization but as a whole like we're genuinely wanting to know people like we're like oh hey we haven't seen you How's in a couple baby? months yeah like oh I my god you had the baby like you know we genuinely want to get to know you and and be there for you you know whether that's like hey like I'm having a bad day like let's have coffee or like whatever it may be and I know that you said that you were really sad that Tess is leaving. And one thing that I try to tell military spouses is the military community is really small. Like in the grand scheme of things, even though that this is goodbye right now, it's probably not goodbye forever. Like at some point you're going to see each other again. Um, You're going to connect again. You'll stay connected Um, the amount of people who I've, and I've said this in previous podcasts, like the amount of people that I have run into at other military bases when I'm like, Oh, I know you you're here. Cool. Like let's meet up for coffee or do something. Um, it's a really small community. And so keep that in mind, even if you're not staying in the military, you're always going to have that little bit of connection with that person. And, um, it's a relationship. So you obviously like, once you leave, you have to connect with them. You have to keep in contact, maintain it. Um, maintain it yeah me too I told my husband that this is an opportunity for me to take a trip like he gets to do all of these trips guess what I'm going to Italy um I don't know when but I'm going because I'm gonna go see my best friend yeah one of my one of my friends is going to Italy too and I said the same thing (laughs) absolutely and even if it's not like planning a trip specifically to see them how many spouses I've stopped at their houses because it was on yeah. the way. Like I went to see you in Georgia, ben- Benning, and I stopped to see one of my best friends from Germany because she happens to be living in a different town in Georgia that was on the way. So we were able to stop and have lunch. So you're going to, if you travel at all, you're going to run into these people where it's convenient to be like, Hey, you're the halfway point to where I'm going. Let's have lunch. Yeah. Yeah. I said the same thing. Like I have a friend, she initially was going to go to Hawaii and then she messed, she texted me the other day and she goes, so change of plans. We're going to Italy. And I was like, all right, looks like I need to go get my passport redone. Cause I actually we can backpack Italy together then. Right. Well, my brother just moved there too. Let's <laughs> all just go to Italy. Let's all go to Italy right next trip. year. <laughs> yeah. We just like, got our passport pictures yesterday, which is like the worst picture. That's worse than the, the military ID picture. I was like, Oh God. But <laughs> I know I loved my passport picture when I was younger. Like it was great. So I'm like scared to go get new one done. Cause my ID picture is awful. It was not good because I had been drinking a dark beer beforehand. So Dustin didn't tell oh. me that I had like, 
mustache. I'm like looking at the picture. I'm like, oh Lord, we're just going to go with this because I'm going to see it once in the next 10 yeah. years, probably how often I traveled out of the country. So I'm like, whatever, but. Ugh. But like utilize that. Like if you're a military spouse who's home, like your spouse is deployed, go visit your friends. Like, especially if you're not working, like if you're home, I mean, obviously if your kids are in school, that's going to be a little bit more difficult to do during the school year, but like go plan those trips, go visit their installations, get a feel for those installations. Cause at some point it might be, it be your next installation. And you know, all, all installations have something to offer in the surrounding area. Um, some, some better, some not, but you know, go and visit like, you know, even like, you know, Benny, like that drive isn't that far from Bragg, you know, it's a day trip. We could go down for the weekend if you really wanted to, um, but utilize those friendships and stay connected. It's good it's for your really kids too. Um, Especially I know Madison, if they're friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Madison misses her Girl Scouts even still since we've been gone for three years. She still wants to go back to camp in Tennessee this summer. So it's also good for your children to go and see those people and yeah. have I those friendships a, at last it's a relationship like we were talking about Ashley said you know it you have to maintain it and it's nice to have those relationships that can be portable that can be wherever you go they're they're amazing yeah. I mean, they're easy it's easy to let them slide like I'm one of the worst people at that like I I don't like I don't like calling people I don't text a lot like unless I get something like to my spouse maybe to one of you guys that like, Hey, like, what are we doing for this? Or what are we doing for that? Like, I don't like say, Hey, like, how are you? And that's one of my traits that I've been trying to work on. Um, like I even do that with family. Like I'm so bad at it. So, um, got to make sure you find the time to keep that relationship maintained. Yeah. Well, I think this was a great, I think we, we kind of hit a lot of different topics and I hope that you guys got something from that where you're able to come, you know, sit down. This is like we were talking about with podcasts is listen. You don't have to listen to it with your spouse. If he's not going to do that, that's fine. But you can sit and listen and then sit down at dinner on your next date and be like, hey, in this podcast I was listening to, we talked about this situation. How does that play out in our life, in our relationship? And how can we make it so that things are communicating better? Or how can we find different ways of communication? So I hope that you take something from this episode with us today and um, reach out to us if you have questions or you just want to find someone to vent to anybody in deployed love is going to be more than willing to sit down and have coffee with you. I will sit on zoom and have coffee with you if that's what works. Yes. <laughs> just, you know, reach out to anybody in the deployed organization. You're going to find an open door, a loving heart, someone that's going to help you. So I hope that you guys join us again. I know that we have another relationship episode coming up with the next week. It's not just be, us. Yes. Next week is going to be so much fun. We have a military spouse. Um, author and Dr. Lowe joining us. So it's going to be really exciting to hear her experience as being a military spouse and her work and talking about relationships. Yeah. So we'll have an expert on here with some more great advice for you guys. So I hope that you guys join us again next, well, two weeks from now, and we will be chatting soon. Otherwise we like to say rock up buttercup. Bye.